it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Pinstripe Valley Podcast, All-Star Break Edition slash MLB Draft Edition slash the Yankees are not playing, so maybe that's a good thing edition. I'm Andrew Mearns, joined by Kun Shaw. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm just going to give everyone a warning. If I sound like weird or off more so than usual, it's because I'm also battling a little bit of a cold. Just because of the world we live in, no cause for concern. I am fully vaccinated and still got tested to be safe, so no no, putting me on the 10-day COVID IL. It's just a little bit of a cold. You don't have to join uh, Johnny Lasagna there. <laughs> I don't have to join Johnny Lasagna. Hopefully he can come off the COVID IL soon. Yeah, they could have used him on a Sunday, but we will we will get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the last time we talked, the Yankees were about to embark on a six-day road trip to the West Coast, which seemed daunting at the time. And I mean, even though... The Yankees ended that four and two. It was kind of a weird four and two because on paper, it should have been pretty successful, but those two losses really left a bad taste in your mouth, especially since they came at the end of each series. Yeah. Besides like the obvious struggles that we've talked about with the hitting and all that and scoring runs and the defense, the one thing I don't think that you and I at least have talked about too much is the Yankees like inability to finish off sweeps. They're really not very good at it. So, like, you know, you go into the last game of a series, like, having won the first two, you're like, all right, yeah, they, you know, they can do this and really go for the kill here. And then they just fall completely flat. 
Getting shut down by Logan Gilbert of the Mariners. That was, it was a weird one because you understood that this guy was actually pitching really, really well. And this is a guy who's not a schmuck or anything. He's a pretty good prospect and might be a key part of the Mariners rotation very soon if he isn't already. So you understand it. You just wish the offense would have done a little bit more and the team wouldn't have been so pathologically adverse to completing sweeps, which they have been all year. But whatever. Good pitching performance, tip your hat, whatever. Move on. The Astros finale was just so, so bad in the ninth inning. <laughs> I can't yeah, believe, like the, I can't believe how bad Chad Green looked. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the Seattle one was just like annoying, but like the, the, the Astros one, man, that really gets to you. Cause, you know, they, they actually look like they were about to complete the sweep against one of the best teams in the American League, probably the best offense in the American League. And they were up by five runs going into ninth inning. And you had Chad Green, who's been arguably the best reliever on the team, coming in. You, you feel pretty good about that. Like Obviously, you know, the ninth inning started with Domingo Armand not pitching. He had just finished two, what looked like really t- relatively clean innings. So it was, mm-hmm. I think it was the right decision to, you know, kind of bring him back out there because Chad Green had been used a lot recently, especially with Britain out, Zania out now, Loaisa uh, out, uh, Chapman just being bad. So I understand the need to like, or the idea to just continue with Herman instead of like, you know, giving Green the fresh clean inning. But end of the day, you come on, even with it, if it's two on, nobody out, you're Chad Green. You shouldn't be giving up six runs before you can get three outs. No, starting Herman there, totally fine. You don't think anything of it when a pitcher who's been pitching well goes out to finish the ninth inning when the team's up five runs. And right. if Aaron Boone didn't react the way that he did, which was like pretty much as soon as Herman ran into trouble, he turned to green, then fans would be calling for his head. And of course, fans are calling for his head anyway. And we can quibble a lot with Aaron Boone, but I mean, the decision making was fine there. You're, they weren't going no. to push it with Chapman. Herman seemed like he had the game under control. And at that point, even when green was falling apart, it was happening in a hurry, too. I believe the whole thing only took, like, 12 pitches. It was very much like that one bad Aroldis Chapman blown save in Minnesota where he gave up those two two-run home runs. It, it just all happened in a hurry. And also the only real guy who he could have trusted at that point, Lucas Lickie, had already warmed up twice in that game. And I know that Lickie had gotten Altuve earlier in the series, but it's that's still such a tough matchup, and you'd rather just have your best there, even if your best has not really been looking very sharp in this particular game. Yeah, and you can get, like, upset with, like, Aaron Boone for not having somebody else ready or whatever, but, like, it's the same thing with, like, Chapman up before, obviously, his struggles or whatever. When, you're, when your closer is up and the guy who you feel confident in, you're, when your best pitcher is up there as the reliever to, uh, sent out to finish the game, you're not just going to have somebody ready. Uh, yeah, you know, things can fall apart, and, you know, you can start getting somebody up, which, you know, Boone could have done. But like you said, it all happened so quickly that there was really no time to even respond to that. And then the only other thing like I would quibble about, but this is from my non-logical baseball brain talking. So like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. But just stop pitching to Jose Altuve at the end of the game. <laughs> I'd rather lose like 8-7 or 9-7 to uh, Michael Brantley getting a walk-off than I want to see this guy hitting another home run walk-off. Yeah, and like I get that point too. But you, again, you'd have the thing, people would be like, oh, why'd they pitcher on Altuve when Brantley's such a good hitter he'll beat you anyway and that's why I completely admit this is non-logical baseball brain of mine talking yeah as soon as like all these hits were happening in a string you could really tell that the worm was turning and this is not going to end well but what yeah. a 
What a bad way to end the first half. Maybe it's a fitting way, considering how the Yankees have played for the most part. But I, I will say the whole uh, ripping off his jersey thing was like hilarious. Like I did enjoy like the back and forth between the two teams leading uh, throughout this series between like the Astros and their giveaways during uh, with the Yankees coming to visit Aaron Judge with the uh, with pulling his jersey and all that. So I, I thought it was fun. Obviously, feelings about the Astros and what they did, notwithstanding, it's just always good to see two teams just trash talk and have fun with each other. So yeah, I, I'm, I am worried that uh, Aaron Judge is never going to try to talk trash again just because it's backfired twice in pretty big fashion between this and the 2018 Division Series when he was playing New York, New York, as they were leaving Fenway after winning game two. Then they didn't win another game in that series. And it's unfortunate because I like when people like Judge actually show emotion because they don't always. So especially with the, the button-up Yankees culture, you just hope that he's still going to continue being him. But unfortunate that it had to play out that way for so many reasons, but also that. To be fair, at least when Judge did his thing, uh, it was in the Garrett Cole complete game. So his jersey pulling was justified because he literally the game winner. Yeah. Well, that was not great, but maybe they will be able to wash the taste of that out of the mouth at the All-Star break. Aaron Judge and yeah. Garrett Cole seem to have fun. So good for them and maybe everyone else went fishing or just slept sleeping on a break is good chapman was technically there too which i found funny like participants (laughs) he's ready for battle yes no i mean overall though i think the team should be feeling a lot better about themselves going into the second half i do think that you know the offense has actually turned a corner i mean they've been like a top 10 offense in baseball they have a lot over the month uh, over the month of june so like since the beginning of June, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's definitely not as frustrating. Like, yeah, you know, they still get a lot of people on and don't score everybody, but I'm not going to get upset when they're only scoring seven runs a game or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They've been scoring enough to win most of these games. And I, obviously they needed that. They only won that Garrett Cole start one, nothing. So that was a tight affair, but again, the Astros are a good team. So you understand a little bit more then, but yeah, pretty much since the beginning of June, they've looked pretty good. Josh just had a good article about this, about how there's, reasons for optimism because of how good the Yankees offense has looked over the past month and change. Yeah, they could probably still use another hitter in that lineup who could make things a, a little bit better, but they're encouraging signs. Even Glaber was starting to hit the ball hard in those last few games. So maybe he's finally turned a corner and we, I got to keep telling myself that because otherwise the season is just going to look like a total disaster. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more encouraging to see like good process, bad results, versus bad process and bad results. So I'll take it. And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to them adding at the deadline. I would say maybe like a left fielder or center fielder or somebody who can do both and probably another pitcher. And then you just kind of roll with what you have and hope that, you know, that works. I mean, I, I realistically a complete overhaul is not happening midseason, and yeah. I'm not really calling for one either, but you get, you know, two big pieces. If Hal's willing to just not buy a, a yacht this year, and maybe he could just wait off and buy another in that, uh, yacht next year. I think if they can add like a good outfielder, like a Joey Gallo type or a Chris Bryant, something like that. Again, I'm not, and I'm not going to do any trade proposal speculation here, but somebody like uh, either one of those guys and then like a good, good arm for the rotation who can, you know, slot in behind Garrett Cole as somebody who can actually trust. And then you potentially have like Jameson Tyone, who seems like he's turning his season around. I think three of his last four starts have been actually very good. Jordan Montgomery, he's not great, but, you know, he's solid and serviceable. Uh, Nestor Cortez is apparently Cy Young reincarnated with a mustache. 
<laughs> I think that's where his uh, that's where his secret power comes from. Uh, you potentially have Severino and Kluber coming back. I think you add one more arm to this rotation, and you might be able to make some noise in the second half. And again, it's too early to start watching the standings and be like, oh my God, Boston won this game. Oh my God, Toronto didn't lose this game, whatever. Right now, just win the games that you're playing and worry about that. Obviously, you know, they have, I think, eight games coming up against Boston over the next like couple of weeks. So that's going to be key. But just play, go out there and put the best team forward, do their part. And then like come September, we'll see where everybody is in the standings. Yeah, realistically, I think the what will most likely happen is that the Yankees will add maybe a guy and maybe call it there, even though there, I understand the one camp that says do more. And I also understand a little bit of the camp that says, why are we even trying to do anything this year? Because it has been so frustrating. They have really buried themselves, especially in the AL East, but in the wild card, they are right there. They're only a few games behind the A's and, you know, they're in the mix with a bunch of other mediocre teams like the Mariners, Cleveland, and the angels. Toronto is tied with them too. I think Toronto will hang out with them for the rest of the way, but there's a very good chance that the Yankees will be in the wild card game and you got to fight for that because this is this is not the time to sell and break down the score completely. Not we're not to that point yet. I think the only thing that would make me think that the Yankees should go that direction is if they went on basically a run like the Cubs just did, which was like losing 11 games in a row to basically go in complete opposite direction of the Brewers and totally tank themselves. So I feel like the Cubs are probably going to be selling, but other than that, I don't see any way that Hal Steinbrenner agrees to sell with this team unless they went on some really bad losing run. So they're going to give it a try and, well, might as well. Yeah, I don't know what the Yankees are selling that other teams would be buying outside of potentially like trading Aaron Judge away. Like, I would not entertain that notion. No. (laughs) Besides that, I don't know what anybody wants from this team. I don't want this team. Yeah, uh, Aaron Judge is not going anywhere. Even if they went on a bad run, they still have him for next year, and they're going to try to compete for 2022, guys. They're not going to give up on that. Don't be ridiculous. But... As you said, there's not really a lot to sell here. Maybe they could sell one of the relievers, but I don't think anyone's really banged down the door for Glaber Torres right now. Clint Frazier's injured anyway. Just not a really good picture right now for selling. So maybe something changes in the next couple of weeks, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Ideally, the Yankees do something against the Red Sox because if they continue to just tank themselves, then that might be answering their own question. Yeah, I think if they just do nothing and continue to lose games or maybe just squeak out only one or two wins in these next couple series against the Red Sox. I think the worst that they'll do is instead of selling, they're just going to kind of stand pat and do nothing. Yeah. Because again, I don't know what they have to that anybody wants outside of maybe like a reliever, but even then like Britain's been kind of hurt on and off. Uh, Chapman's just in a very, very bad situation right now. And, like, again, you don't really want to trade a Green or a Loisiga, but maybe those guys? I don't I don't know what they have. But hopefully they just uh, kick everyone's ass over the next couple of weeks, uh, add some pieces, and go on a run, and we don't have to worry about what they can sell because they don't need to. Bingo. Bingo. Yay! Optimism. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have to get too much into the sell-buy talk. We'll have another couple weeks before we get really into the weeds with the trade deadline stuff. So we will cross that bridge when we get to it. Right now, the team is a little bit banged up, too, as we talked about. Miguel Andujar is on the injured list with a wrist sprain. Zach Britton had a left hamstring strain. He should be back very soon. But Michael King has been out because he hurt his middle finger. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe, would you like to explain what happened to him? Uh, yes, he uh, he strained his middle finger to say <laughs> you to the Yankees <laughs> That or the uh, crush between weights, but I, I think I think I like your explanation better. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, super unfortunate uh, timing for him because he, he had a rotation spot and now that's kind of gone because Nestor <laughs> sort of claimed it. It's really, really weird, but that's the world we live in right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really too concerned for Michael King getting, like, lollipipped if he nah. comes back. I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be a spot in this rotation for him, especially, like, even just as a spot starter or whatever, or kicking uh, Armand out if he's not pitching well. But Remember that Michael King had that preseason goal of 100 innings no matter how I can get it, and he's at 48 and a third so far. So, you know, he'll find his way to it somehow, some way. As long as his middle finger doesn't take him out for a lot, a lot longer. But, yeah. No, as soon as like they started slotting him into the rotation, and like you know, he's actually pitching pretty solidly. Like you'd expect Michael King to be pitching. Like he's not like blowing anybody away, but he's been very, very serviceable. So I've enjoyed it, and I'm really rooting for him to get to that hundred. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we do need to also know that Darren O'Day. I don't know if we'll actually see him back this season, or if it will, but won't be until much later because we didn't really get much details about it but it sounded like he suffered a pretty serious hamstring injury with the same one that he had surgery on in 2018 and like he, they were saying he crumpled to the ground so that's never a good yeah, sign no and then like besides that like what the i think we also talked about a little bit earlier Loisi goes on the covid il Aaron boone i think right before the break said he quote unquote feels good but hasn't given any like timeline so it's not like when glaber hit the il and they're like oh no we expect him back sooner than later and all that I'm a little, excuse me, concerned because, you know, COVID, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm um, I'm thinking that we'll probably get an update on him when they announce who their probable starting pitchers are for the upcoming series against the Red Sox because they haven't announced that yet. And I feel like we'll get just a conference call with various updates like that. And ideally, this is just a quick little thing. Ben Lewis School will be back because the bullpen really needs him. He's been terrific this year. Green was a little gassed at the end of that series. And we have to talk about Aroldis Chapman, too, because they tried to get him back into form in one game against the Mariners. And he threw a scoreless innings, but he, he, he threw a scoreless inning, but there were still a whole bunch of walks and bad control. So he's he's got to work his kinks out if the Yankees are going to have any hope. Yeah, like, be better guy. Like, yeah. they, I, know, I know he went to the All-Star game, but like I kind of was hoping that he wouldn't go, not just because, like, oh, my God, blah, 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 he doesn't deserve to go. None of that nonsense. But, like, I was kind of hoping he took the time off, especially if it's a mechanics issue, to kind of, you know, work on that. But maybe, like, I know there's also, like, the, it's not really clear because they've also been talking about this, like, lingering fingernail issue. But like, if that's the case, why not just put him on the IL, get him better? I, I really don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> but they yeah. need to figure it out. The kids, just keep relying on, the kids just keep relying on Chad Green every other day. Because he's going to get burnt down if he isn't already. Right, right. Well, we'll take an ad break and we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Unless you have anything else, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. I mean, no. 
no, okay. I refuse. <laughs> like, no, I don't have anything else. I'm like, yeah, we can talk about the draft. Yeah, we'll talk about the draft a little bit. We're adapting our meet a baby bomber segments into a be a Yankees draft pick or whatever you want to call it. We don't have any cool little themes that Effective Wild has, but whatever. We are we are interested in the Yankees draft picks. I guess from the top, I mean, we're not going to go through the entire draft. Basically, Kunj and I both picked one guy to talk about, but we will also take a moment to talk about Trey Sweeney just because he's the top pick. And it seems like he is an infielder who could have some real impact on the Yankees' future. They seem to reach a little bit for him, but the, they've done a lot of scouting on him, and it feels seems like they're pretty confident that they made a good find in someone who maybe would not have been available to them with their second round pick. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely pretty exciting. I mean, I know there's some concerns about whether or not he's that shortstop in his defensive position, but they seem like it seems like he's an impact bat. And like for me, it's just like, all right, get the guy, see what he can do. If he can hit, you'll find a place to play him. Yeah, and it's not like 20th overall pick is where you find a lot of these big gems too. Sometimes you'll, you'll hit big on a Corey Seager or Aaron Judge who were, I think, both picked in the 20s. But for the most part, these are guys that sometimes are going to be a dice roll even in the first round. So maybe Trey Sweeney turns out to be a big hit. But we will have much more on him soon as he says he's going to sign. So we'll see where he is assigned in the Yankee system as a college bat. I anticipate him probably being in Tampa sometime very soon. And he can hang out with Jason Dominguez, who is there now too, which is kind of cool. Oh yeah, that was, a, that was a promotion. The Martian has arrived. Yeah, the Martian <laughs> has arrived in Tampa. Anthony Volpe, was, who is having a great first half with uh, Tampa, is now up to Hudson Valley. He was their first round pick in 2019. So these uh, these kids are coming. I mean, they're in the low minors, but they these should be some big parts of the Yankees' future. Especially Dominguez. Yeah, I, mean, I don't like a lot of the Yankees' top prospects seem like they're like a few years away. They're probably in the, like, the lower tier of the system, but like I do think the future is bright. I don't think uh, like they don't have anybody knocking at the door in Scranton. Like, yeah, you could talk about like Oregon Park or whoever, like maybe you should get a shot, but at the end of the day, we're talking about like, the real, but... yeah, like we're talking about the real prospects who like are exciting. I think. You know the the lower system, the, the lower tiers of the minors are packed with excitement for the Yankees, and whether that means they you know break out with the the team in over the next couple of years, or the Yankees can even use them to get some pieces now over the offseason next year, it's still fun to see what they have and you know follow these young kids as they try and live out their dream. Wow, that sounded a lot cheesier than I expected it to be. Hey, cheesy it can be good, can be good. <laughs> I do love cheese. All right. So, who are we meeting for you? So, because I am a child, we're meeting uh, Richard Fitz. Because of we are. <laughs> because how did you expect me to choose anybody else besides Dick Fitz? Of course. Got to <laughs> pick Dick uh, Fitz. So, yeah, exactly. Because he's the one that fits right in. <laughs> anyway, Fitz is from Elena, Alabama. He was drafted in the sixth round as the 183rd overall pick from Auburn University. What's cool about him is like last year during the COVID shortened season, a lot of scouts were talking about how he had like first round potential because he had like a 2.77 ERA, mostly just as a reliever though. But then over the fall and stuff like, you know, he, he's, he had pitched pretty well and really, you know, gave his stock some improvement. But then this spring he hurt his foot and that's kind of resulted in like not so great season for him. In 13 games this year, at eight starts, he has a 5.88 ERA. So it's not exactly exciting, but we're also talking about somebody that the Yankees got in the sixth round who has been marked as first-round potential. So that's always good. What was cool, in the last week of May, he pitched an eight-inning shutout and allowed just one hit against Missouri and was named the SEC Pitcher of the Week. So that's that's fun. And his uh, scouting report on MLB.com 
I'm going to read the, exactly the scouting report because, you know, obviously we don't have a lot of stuff on him from the AK system because he's not there yet. But after operating with a low 90 sinker as a reliever, Fitz began employing a forcing fastball as a starter. He showed the ability to sit at 93 to 95 miles per hour for several innings and reached 97 with quality vertical life on his heater last year and mostly held that velocity in 2021. He has two promising secondary pitches with some with his upper 80s changeup with some splitter action, currently a more reliable option than his improving mid 80s slider. Both have regressed this spring. So again, he's taken a little bit of a step back this year, but hopefully a lot of that is just because of his foot injury. And what the other things that they're saying about him is because he's gotten better as he's grown into his, like, you know, he's a six foot three guy. He's grown into his fame. They think he can handle a starter's workload and his arm action and delivery are sound quote, and he throws strikes with his entire arsenal. And adding to, to the packages is competitiveness, which draws as much praise as his stuff. So, you know, he goes out there, he battles every single time. And what I think is actually kind of a fun fact, it's really not, but just because I'm kind of a nerd. So Baseball America had him ranked as the 222nd best prospect. MLB and the MLB Pipeline had him ranked significantly higher, I think, at 149. The middle ground between those two numbers is 182 and he was picked 183 whoa also ranking him 222 is just for two packed so yes gotta get that in there the the ultimate re two packed yeah but Fitz was a guy who at one point was considered not just like a first round guy but there was some chatter that with a good season he could put himself in like the top 10 overall picks and obviously that's not how things played out but this is still a talent that if you get that in the sixth round you sign up for that and maybe he finds it maybe he just peters out into nothing but I think Richard Fitz could be a very very sneaky good pick for the Yankees there. Yeah, and, like, you know, it's a sixth round, so it's okay to take a little bit of risk here. And, again, we, the upside is there. And the worst-case scenario, he just kind of fizzles out. And it's like, oh, well, you took a shot. Yeah, and once again, they drafted Tyler Hardman, Dick Fitz, and then Sean Hard. The Yankees clearly had an agenda this the, during this draft. Also, Bailey Dees. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. There's some fun names in the mix there. Uh, some other teams had more fun ones, like the the other Max Muncy was really great. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, we have not reached the maximum Muncy just yet because we thought we had with one. Now there's two. Yeah, I like of all names, that there's just another Max Muncy. Sure, whatever. Yeah, and then there's also a guy in the draft who uh, Gage Jump. Oh, yeah, Gage like Jump. A, that was a great one. Like, I was kind of upset the Yankees didn't draft him, but hey, you know, shit happens. They didn't get the jump on him. They did not get the jump on him because they wanted to see where Dick fits in. Exactly. It, Gage Jump was just not a horny enough name for them. <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees were, he was too, th- he was not thirsty enough. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, my guy is actually not going to be a super unknown guy. My my guy is actually the second round pick, Brendan Beck, who is a pitcher out of Stanford. Beck is originally from Corona High School in Corona, California. His older brother, Tristan, was a draft pick by the Braves and is now in the Giants system. I learned that apparently his grandfather was uh, the equivalent to an All-American in rugby, apparently. <laughs> really random. It's called the Welsh Cap. So that's fun. <laughs> On a more relevant note, Beck is a pretty good pitcher. He's a right-handed pitcher, six foot two. His fastball has get gets up to ninety-three miles an hour. He's got a good curveball and a slider and a ch- pretty decent changeup too. So he's a good pitchability guy. 
He's got a pretty wide arsenal. On the day that we were recording, Damon Oppenheimer, who runs the draft, he said in the conference call that they already see Brendan Beck as someone who's close to the majors and they don't really see a lot of development necessary, just focusing on like building up innings, which is a pretty good sign that they got a mostly finished product already, which is pretty good for a second round pick and a someone who's already a college senior. To Stanford, Beck had a 3.11 ERA over four seasons in 289 to third innings. And this past season, his whip was under one at 0.985, and he struck out 11.8 per nine innings. So very good. He also has got a lot of moxie because this is my favorite thing about him. Stanford had a game against Texas Tech in June, and even though they were playing in 106-degree heat, he decided that he was going to wear Stanford's black jersey because, quote, it was going to be Texas Tech funeral (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah he's some of that confidence in the Yankee system and I don't know if Beck is going to be like a big pitcher for them he seems just on the surface he seems like a guy who might be more of like a like a David Phelps type starter maybe a little bit better than that because he has a higher talent than David Phelps but that's still someone who can help the Yankees a bit yeah Oppenheimer's comments kind of give me a little bit of pause like I'm not going to get too excited about that just because like I think you mentioned this in our Slack but I was thinking it too just like we know what happened with Jake Lindgren and talking about fast tracking a player so I'm cautiously optimistic but it'll be cool to see if you know they, how quickly he turns around where he starts off at but a uh, little fun fact I was really preparing this game for you uh, while we record the podcast I'm going to have you play a little game are you familiar with uh, the Jeopardy like the before and after where like you get a clue and you have to basically get two answers and you find the one in common. Yeah, I think so. So do you want to play a quick round of that? Literally one question. If you win, you get nothing. And if you lose, you still get nothing. Yes. All right. Surprise. (laughs) I always dreamed of. And the penalty I always dreamed of. Yes. So this is your clue. 2021 to 2024. 2021 to 2024. No, 2021, two, the number two, and then 2020, the number four. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Brendan Beckway. <laughs> ah, yes. Very, very, very good. I don't know why, but I spent about 15 minutes thinking about this before we recorded this morning while I was eating my lunch. Good. Good. Well, I should have. I should have known to think of Beckway since he was your meet a baby bomber, if not last week, then the week before. Right. Also, because Brendan Beck, you were just talking about him. Yeah, I also got to stop. I, I think I've occasionally, accidentally referred to him as Brandon Beck a couple times, but no, Brendan Beck, not Brandon. Brendan. Anyway, that was my fun uh, baby bomber game. I, I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week for uh, not that. Yeah. <laughs> the first and last edition of this yeah it was so successful though Yay. if we want to get um irrationally optimistic about brendan beck baseball america compared him to what shane bieber looks like in college so hey maybe there's something there but probably not because shane bieber i think may have been using some spider tech so we'll see no no, no he's great oh good brendan okay. beck's gonna be brendan beck's gonna win the Young this, this year yeah oh good this year Wow, this fast. Year. Damon yeah. Oppenheimer was right. He's uh, already a finished product. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Done. All right. So should we move on to Yankee and Mitre of the Week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the Yankee and Mitre of the Week. Woo. Who do you have for Yankee of the Week? So my Yankee of the Week is going to be none of Garrett Cole. He's good. Obviously, he's very, very good. 
So, you know, since the sticky stuff became a thing, Cole struggled to like an ERA that's over five. But obviously on the Saturday before the All-Star break, he held like what I mentioned earlier, like uh, American League's arguably their best offense to no runs and pitched a complete game shutout, including his uh, Mike Mussina moment where he told Boone to just <laughs> off and leave him alone. Sorry for making you have to do a Mitre Horn twice. <laughs> but Beautiful. All that was that after he was battling like flu-like symptoms and getting like IVs in Seattle. So this is exactly what the Yankees paid him for. And obviously there was, there's been a lot of concern about whether or not they're going to get their quote unquote money's worth with the spider tech and like sticky stuff crackdown. But to, while he doesn't need to do this every time out, he needs more outings like this where he's shows why exactly why he's the Yankees ace. And if he keeps doing that, at least for the second half, the, the Yankees chances are going to get even better because that's what they need. A lot of the last month or so has been frustrating with just, you know, the offense not being able to score, but, before that, we were at least able to look forward to Garrett Cole starts, and it was nice to kind of see that. And he did that in 129 pitches, Man. which was like the most thrown by a starter in the last like three years, I think. Yeah, that was but, that was just an outing we don't really see anymore. And part of that was necessitated by the fact that, you know, Chapman's been completely unreliable. Lasagna was not available and Green was pretty gassed. So it was like either that or they go to Chapman and Cole's like, no. I will do this yeah. if my arm falls <laughs> off. <laughs> and the, yeah, like and the, the ninth inning, like Altuve got that like that single off of him, which is just like annoying. It's like stop pitching, just walk him. But whatever, at least he didn't hit the home run there. And then uh, what was really cool is like when Boone came out to talk to him, and Garrett Cole was just like, "No, I'm finishing this game. This is my game." With a lot more expletives in there, but. He's like, I'm finishing this game. And then he just proceeds to, to finish the game on three pitch strikeout. Yeah, that was a game that I only was able to really catch up on mostly after the fact. I was without signal for most of it. So I was only able to occasionally check in and like my phone was just not really cooperating. So I'd see like, oh, it's only one nothing. That's not really going to be enough. Then I learned later that Garrett Cole pitched the whole thing and threw 129 pitches. And it was sort of like... Several years back when Michael Pineda struck out 16 and I wasn't around to watch that game either. And I got an update on my phone about it and it, the, same, the reaction was the same, which is like, wait, what? He did what? <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is you need to stop paying attention to the Yankees for the pitching to be great. Apparently. <laughs> I think we found the solution, guys. <laughs> well, it's a noble sacrifice, but I will bear this burden. <laughs> As you said, if we could just look forward to Cole starts again, then that would add a lot of stability to the rotation because still, even after that start, he has a lot to prove to just show that he is still a very, very good pitcher without the sticky tack because he was on a real rough stretch when we last podcasted and he got roughed up by the Mets. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's all in the past. (laughs) Garrett Good for right now, at least. Yeah. Who's your Yankee of the week? Uh, my Yankee of the week is going to be Aaron Judge. His week, was, his week wasn't like standout or anything. He was good. He had a 556 slugging percentage and a pair of home runs. He had the home run to help Garrett Cole win that one nothing game. So kudos on that. I respected the trolling attempt, even if it didn't really work out with Altuve being a douche the next day. So. <laughs> but I appreciate the hustle and he acquitted himself well at the All-Star game too. And I like that he got to be part of the pregame ceremonies uh, honored Hank Aaron's widow too. Yeah, no, it was cool. Like obviously he he got on base, he scored the first run for the AL, so that's always fun. It's nice to have like a legitimate all-star representing your team rather than like the oh crap, we need to have at least one person represent each team pick. So Gregory Soto. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Aaron Judge is obviously a worthy all-star. He was a starter, so good for him. Yeah, I like him. 
I think during the All-Star game, I think it was Lindsay Adler, she tweeted like, Aaron Judge has just experienced being driven in from scoring position. <laughs> uh, the pain is real. Yes, but it was amusing. I'll also admit that when I saw him dart for the play, I'm like, oh no, are we going to see some Yankees toot planning in the All-Star game? That would be very fitting. <laughs> but then it's like, oh wait, no, it's Aaron Judge. He actually knows what he's doing. Yeah, right. There's a reason he's actually there. Yeah. The other guys are not allowed. <laughs> okay. So who's your Mitra of the week? So this is probably going to be a little bit harsh or unfair, but it's going to be Chad Green. Yeah. Like we're talking I mean, about he's, he's, he's definitely a little overworked. So Britain went on the IL. The Loisinga got went on the IL. Chapman just like farts every time he's out there. And in the first game of the Houston series, he pitched two shutout innings to help seal the win. So like, that's great. But he still not, needs to not go in and give up six runs. I mean, technically, he only got charged four runs. The other, the first two were charged to Herman because those were his base runners. But he was brought in to kind of do damage control, and it went the complete opposite way. Plus, it was the second time this season where he gave up a three-run home run to Jose Altuve that ended up costing the Yankees the chance to sweep and a game. So that's not good. Stop it's not doing what you that. want. Stop doing that. Stop doing that now. Now <laughs> that. I mean, it's it's a it's a deserving quote honor this time because as you said on this podcast, if you're given a five run lead, even if it was like a five run lead with some base runners on, had been chipped away a little bit because of Vermont, you still got to get that done. That's not a hard inning to complete. And I know that the Astros have a really good offense, and maybe the Yankees were lucky that they were able to shut out the Astros through the first two games, especially with that first one with Nestor Cortez and friends. But still, you got to get that job done. Yeah. And you can give up a, a run or two, whatever, that's fine. But you got you can't give up six runs before you get three outs. Right. All right. Well, my Mitra of the Week is not going to be as much of a huge blame thing because I think Chad Green was – I could have just given it to Chad Green as well, and it'd be fair because that was just yeah. such a nightmare. But I'm going to give this one to Brett Gardner because he's, again, in one of those stretches where he looks like he should retire, like, yesterday so like all of 2021 you mean yeah pretty much he's had like a couple good weeks and other than that it's just been trash after trash it's it's bad it is and it's not fun to see a guy who used to be such a good baseball player look this washed but matt provenzano uh former pinstripe valley writer good friend of ours has like made this point in chat with that we have where he talks about like the yankees basically have been going to the brett gardner well year after year on one-year contracts and this is finally just the one that they got burned so this is probably going to happen eventually and it just it sucks that it's happened but he probably should not be playing anymore no yeah that's a very good point like it at least they, they've been kind of safe with it in the sense that they haven't been handing out like four or five-year deals to them they're just going year to year and you know, for the most part, it's turned out well. Like you got you get frustrated with him at times, and you get for this year, you just didn't want to see him as an everyday player. But you were fine with bringing him back. Like, okay, well, whatever. He's good in short, short spurts. And again, this year was the one time that they actually went into it. Though one of the times too, they actually went into it thinking like, hey, we don't want him to play every day. He's not going to be the everyday outfielder. He's just here to be Brett Gardner. And obviously, injuries happened and bad play happened that forced him to play a lot more than he should. Yeah. And, uh, I, I very much don't want to see him on the team next year. Yeah, and it's right now it's especially tough because both Andujar and Frazier are on the injured list, and they you don't have any idea when they're coming back, and it's not like they were really hitting much anyway. So they're just kind of stuck with him unless they want to roll the dice in a Trey Ambergy or Floreal, and I feel like that's not going to happen. So update that actually is happening. Trey Ambergy will reportedly be called up to the major leagues on Thursday. 
I guess uh, in Tim LaCastro, we trust. I'd rather see LaCastro than Brick Gardner. Yeah, which is why like it'd be nice if the Yankees went out and made a move. Uh, but you know, we're still a couple weeks away from that because you're really not going to see any big names being traded this early on. So I mean, no. we're two weeks away. So remember that All Star game when um, Manny Machado was still in the Orioles? Then like, but he was basically already on the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, not, we don't have any situations like that right now, but. That was that was really funny. <laughs> On a related note, uh, somebody had an idea that for when Trevor Story participated in the home run derby, that the ball the ball should be like those gender reveal balls that like explode with the color of his future team. Yes, <laughs> Gary Phillips he tweeted that. That was that was good. That was good. What if it was purple? He'd be like, no, no, <laughs> I'm stuck forever. <laughs> He'd be like Kamar Rocker, who just decided, you know what? I'm not going to let the Rockies redraft me and oh, not wave his. That's so funny. <laughs> for those that don't know apparently if you've been drafted by a team and then choose not to sign with them go back to school and then re-enter the draft you have to sign a waiver that allows them to redraft you and uh rocker Kumar rocker who was drafted by the mets this year was drafted by the rockies in 2018 i think it was maybe earlier and um, obviously he went back to school he went to vanderbilt and this year he did not sign the waiver to let the rockies redraft him so he knew he could he, could, he couldn't control much about where he went but he could control at least that going to colorado good for you guy yeah it's like all right and who good. can blame him well maybe we'll see him in queens one day hopefully he doesn't become a huge menace because that would be annoying yeah also i'm i'm not really jazzed about the red sox ending up with marcelo meyer who probably should have been the number one overall pick i was glad they didn't end up with jack Leiter, but marcelo meyer could be a problem yeah it would have been a lot nicer if the pirates just did they had one job yeah they had one job and they took some other guy who is probably going to be fine but i don't think he's going to be as good as marcelo meyer or jack Leiter for that matter but and the rangers did their job (laughs) yeah yeah kudos they were just like yeah that's nice that the red sox had all these rumors about them with jack later but too bad you don't get to pick before us we're taking jack later yeah, exactly good job yeah that kid's gonna be really good i think i'm just uh, glad on he's not the division on, yeah on the last note though about uh Kamar rocker i think the annual subway series should be replaced with a judge versus alonzo home run derby oh yeah yeah clearly all these other I, I want that on the record. all these other competitors are just not really putting up a real fight against Alonzo and judge seems like doesn't want to do the Derby again, unless it's at Yankee stadium, which is too bad, but Hey, just do like a swing off, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like it's funny. Cause like everyone else, like they, they seem to be going like max effort and like, you know, Trey did see put up a great fight for Alonzo at the end there. Like, and you know, it was just a cool finals, obviously, you know, Trey Mancini's story is, you know, very cool, very inspirational. And then Pete Alonzo is just there like, all right, this is nothing. He didn't even break a sweat the whole time. Yeah, he's just bobbing his head while some kid gets carted off with a torn ACL. Yeah. <laughs> like, Great. He was in the zone, man. He was in the zone. Yeah, man. That is, that's good fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we are uh, about expired our limit here. So we will let you go from here. You can follow us on Twitter at Pinstripe Alley. Follow me on Twitter at Marin's PSA. Where are you on Twitter this week? Uh, just don't leave. Just leave me alone until I'm healthy. Yeah, yeah, just don't don't at cringe at MLB. Make sure that they are serious about getting rid of the seven inning doubleheaders and the runner on second roll because that might be oh, happening. Yes. Yeah, Manfred did not seem very committed to that, which is nice. But I think somebody in uh, the Pinchot Valley comment section was like, "This could just be a conspiracy theory because he knows the players like it, so he's going to try and keep it, but just blame it on them." Saying, "Hey, uh, I just said we can get rid of it." 
yeah. which wouldn't surprise me at all because my bad friend is evil. But hey, I'll take it for right now. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. All right, so that'll do it for us. Hopefully the Yankees don't shit the bad against the Red Sox this weekend. We have high hopes, clearly. So let's see what happens and go Yankees. Yay.